Awesome. Well, we are so glad that you are here tonight. Man, wasn't that a sweet time of worship? So awesome as we come together and we get to get into God's presence as a, as a community. It's so awesome to have Neely with us. Um, glad that you guys are here. I love seeing the teams together. As my background in worship, I love seeing our campus worship teams come together and and get to uh, get to play together. Get to uh, just just commute. Just have community. It's really cool to see. Um, I also loved getting to hear those testimonies. Wasn't that cool to hear from Guy, from Alex? Man, it was so good. Thank you, guys. Thank you for sharing. Um, I know that takes vulnerability. It takes uh, courage. And it's really cool to hear from these guys because they're up here week in, week out. You see them up here either singing or playing. It's cool to hear uh, the why behind what they do, isn't it? Well, um, I'm excited to be able to share on the topic of worship tonight. Worship is near and dear to my heart. Man, I can tell you most of the most memorable times that I've had with the Lord, the, the, the closest encounters, the, the, the sweetest times I've had with the Lord have all happened within the context of worship. And we know worship is a lot more than singing songs or music. Uh, it's a lifestyle. But for me, I'm, I'm talking specifically about singing songs and music. I remember as a young college student, single guy, sitting in my car listening to worship music and just being unable to even get out of my car. I'm just sitting in there weeping in front of my apartment. I can't get out. I don't want, you know, I got water in my eyes. I don't want people to, you know, think I was crying because I was crying. Um, but, you know, moments like that, moments of being face down on my floor in my room, just crying out to the Lord, moments at church camps and in rooms just like this, uh, just being impacted deeply uh, by worship. And so that's why I'm excited to share about worship tonight. Really, um, it's going to be brief and we're going to continue to practice what we preach Literally, um, we're going to talk a little bit about worship, but then we're going to practice it. And tonight, I want to talk about two things. I want to talk about two things that worship is. Number one, worship is a reminder. And second, worship is a response. Worship is a reminder, and worship is a response. Well, what is it a reminder of? Worship is a reminder of who God is. We talked about this. We sang about this. Um, even Alex was talking about just being the shift of focusing our, her mind on God. This, uh, this is what happens when we come into a worship environment. Our shift focuses from our own problems and issues onto God. And we are reminded of who God is. We serve a huge God. We serve a big God, do we not? We serve a big God. Just how big is he? Well, we can look uh, to his creation to get a little glimpse of really how big God is. And these are the things that I love to look at. I love to see um, when, when, when we're going through issues, when we're going through tough times, to know how big really is our God. We can look to creation to see a little glimpse, a small glimpse of really how big he is. And in Psalm 19, verses one and two, David actually writes this. He, he writes uh, that the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. David is actually writing here that creation is telling us in this figurative language. He's saying creation is literally telling us how big God is. And most of us have probably experienced this. Have you ever stood at the rim of the Grand Canyon? Or have you ever stood on a beach and saw an amazing sunset? 
We don't, ha- we don't have a lot of beaches around here, but maybe you've, seen, uh, maybe you've seen the beautiful sunsets that we have here in West Texas. Um, but maybe this final one is a little more uh, something that you've seen recently, and that's, that's a lightning storm. The beauty and majesty of a lightning storm is thousands of kilowatts of electricity flow through the air and create this beautiful tapestry in the sky. It's beautiful, but it's deadly. It's scary, right? Because it's powerful. But it gives us a little glimpse, and man, it just puts me in awe. Anytime I look at that, I just, I just sit there. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, there was a big lightning storm, and uh, Sheila and I were going to bed, and I just opened up the window, and we just watched it. And it was just so cool to see the lightning, and it was so beautiful, and it, and it, it, it caused me to awe and wonder at the God that created it. But that's nothing. That's actually just what's here on earth. In fact, David, in this, um, in this scripture, he's actually talking about the stars. He's talking about the heavens. So let's, let's go there for a second, okay? So you're going to see some pictures come up. These pictures are of our Milky Way galaxy. Um, isn't it beautiful? Those are actual pictures of the Milky Way galaxy. Um, in the Milky Way galaxy, there are 100 billion stars. 100 billion. That's billion with a B. That's a lot. In fact, our minds have a hard time, because we hear these big numbers a lot, our minds have a hard time kind of comprehending how much 100 billion is. Um, 100 billion, if you were to count these stars, if you count one every second, one, two, three, four, you get the idea. If you were to count them one every second, and you never slept, you did it 60 seconds for, per minute, 60 minutes per hour, you get the idea, never slept, you would take 3,171 years to count to 100 billion. And you may say, oh, Chris, I can count a lot faster than than one second. Okay, cool, 1,500 years. Good luck trying. See if you can count to 100 billion. I bet you never get there, okay? There are a lot of stars in our galaxy. And the distance is even more impressive. The distance from one side of the Milky Way galaxy to the other is 100,000 light years. Well, what's a light year, Chris? Well, I'm glad you asked. A light year is the distance that it takes light to travel in one year. If you remember from science class, light travels at 186,282 miles per second. So in a year, light travels about 5.8 trillion miles. 5.88 trillion miles. And we are at 100,000 light years. So that means... Our galaxy from one side to the other is 588,000 trillion miles across. It's like a fake number, it sounds like. It sounds like a number when you're arguing with a three-year-old. You know, well, I have 588,000 trillion miles to go. You know, it just sounds like a fake number. It's, it's hard to grasp. It's hard to even wrap our mind around. But get this, that's only the Milky Way galaxy. Scientists actually estimate there are about 100 billion galaxies out there in the universe. So why am I talking about this? You're like, I thought you were talking about worship, great science lesson, didn't know I was going to learn about astronomy. That's really interesting. What does it have to do with worship? Listen, the God that we pray to, the God that we serve, the God that, yes, we come in here and sing to each and every week is the God that created that universe with a single breath. As vast as the universe is, and as huge as it is, and as how we can't even wrap our mind around it, as big as that is, that's not even God. God created that with a single breath. 
This is the God that we serve. This is the God that we come in here and worship each and every Sunday and each and every time that you get in your car, each and every time that you, that you, um, that you serve in a different way. You are worshiping the King of Kings and the creator of a whole universe. To say we serve a big God is an understatement of the century. Uh, and, but, but the thing about it is he, he's not just big. He's also small. In all of his might and power and vastness, he's also personal. This is the paradox of worship. This is the mystery of worship that this God that is so big that he can speak this universe that we can't fathom into existence. He's also here and he also wants to meet with you. I love the way Matt Redman in his book Face Down puts it. He talks about the mystery of God. And he says, the God we worship is clothed in mystery. He reveals and he conceals. He invites and he hides. He confounds and he confides. The God who rests but never sleeps, who thunders and whispers, terrifies and befriends, whose anger lasts only a moment but whose favor lasts a lifetime, who is all-consuming yet kind, all-knowing yet capable of forgetting the sins he forgives, the God who wounds and binds up, who injures and who heals, the king whose footstool is the earth yet humbly washed the earth from the feet of those he discipled, who reigns in righteousness yet carried our shamefulness, who walked in the Garden of Eden in the cool of the day, yet sweated drops of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane one agonizing night, the God of the smallest detail and the grandest design, who issued ornate designs for an extravagant temple yet found pleasure in the humblest offering of the widow's two tiny coins there, the suffering servant, the sinless friend of sinners, the Savior who hung in agony on beams of wood he himself had called into being. He is fearsome yet welcoming, unfathomable yet knowable. The God of kings and beggars, presidents and paupers, who's fa who fathers the fatherless and works through our weakness, burning with holiness yet refreshingly graceful. He who is worshipped by the multitudes of heaven yet rejoices over a single returning heart, perfect in every way yet able to help those who are being tempted. He who is faithful even to the faithless, for he cannot disown himself. He is the God we worship, the God of all mystery. I love how he puts that. It's so poetic, but it, it's, it's amazing to think about this God that we come in. And when we come into environments like this, when we sing songs, we sing lines like what we just sang, with, uh, with only a whisper, mountains shake. Yes, it is, uh, it's poetic and it sounds nice, but it's literal. Our God is big. We're being reminded in these environments how big our God really is. But as much as it reminds us of who God is, it also reminds us of who we are. Sometimes when we think about the vastness of the universe and all these things I just said, it may have a tendency to make you feel a little small, right? I feel a little small, maybe a little insignificant uh, whenever I hear about all of these things. Um, but here's, here's the thing. God also created you. He created the universe but the God that created the universe, and as huge as it is, he also created you and I. And he wants to have relationship with us. And worship is all about God, but, but the irony is that he recreated us also to, make, to have relationship. In Psalm 8, uh, verses 3 and 4, David is writing again, and he's in a similar place that we are, literally talking about the same thing that we're talking about here. He says, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers the moon and the stars which you have set in place. So he's in the place of all that we are right now. 
And he shifts gears and he says, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him. Do you know he's mindful of you? He knows you by name. He doesn't just know you by name, he created you. And he doesn't just, he didn't just created you, he created you for a purpose to have relationship with him. He loves you. In fact, John 3.16, we all know it, says that for God so loved the world, he so loved us that he gave his only son. This is the, is the, the main act of all human history, that God gave his only son for us. And that takes us to the final thing that, that worship should remind us of, and that is that it reminds us of what he has done. And David actually talked about this this morning. He exhorted us at 191, and he, he, he said, listen, if, if God never did anything else for you in your life, he's already sent his son to die for you, and that's enough to praise him for eternity, for a thousand lifetimes, for forever, because of that one act. But the fact of the matter is, that's not all he did, right? He's, all we got to do is have a, a decent memory to remember just a couple of weeks ago when he rescued from you from something or freed you from something or maybe you were healed. Um, with, God has done so much more for us. There's so much that he's done that we have all the reason in the world to give him the worship that he's due. When we remember who God is, who we are, and what he does, it should lead us to an outward response. And that's the final thing, that worship is a response. Romans 12, verses one and two says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is a little pro tip. It's a little, uh, uh, a little extra added bonus in this. Anytime in the Bible that you're reading and you come across uh, some key words, it's good to take notice. And one of those words that I always take notice of is the word therefore. Actually, I had a mentor that once told me, anytime you see the word therefore, you need to figure out what it's there for. And so, <laughs> so therefore, and it's really easy to do. Usually you can just look at the context of the passage. You can read around wherever that is. So in this instance, we're gonna look back because we know when this was written, there was not chapter and verse markers. It looks really nice to start in Romans 12, verse one. But when people were reading this originally, they were reading it as one thing. So let's look at Romans 11, verse 33 through 36. It's right before this. Paul is writing this beautiful doxology to the people, uh, to his readers. And he says, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. He's recognizing who God is. This is a big God. This is an unfathomable God. We can't comprehend what, what he is. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? He's recognizing who we are. He's reminding them not only who God is, but he's reminding them again who we are. And finally, what he's done. For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. And, and then he goes on. Therefore, I urge you in view of God's mercy. Does it make a little more sense now? Here's who God is. Here's who we are. Here's what he's done. Therefore, uh, in view of God's mercy, in view of all the things I just said, you need to present your bodies as living sacrifices. This is your true and proper worship. And although Romans 12 is not necessarily written in the context of corporate worship and 
it's not giving instructions for uh, worship in the setting that we're in right now, it still illustrates an important principle for us to know. And that principle is that worship is a response to what he's done, to who he is, and who he's created us to be. And when we get a real revelation of who he is, just looking at the stars as David did in Psalm, and we go, man, you're amazing. You're worthy of all worship. Our response should be a response of expression. And, and this gets a little touchy because some people are like, well, I worship in my heart. And yeah, okay. But if God, if the God that created all of the things that we just said is in this room, don't you think it should go beyond just a worship in our heart, that worship should include a response. Worship should include an expression. And worship, uh, I love the way uh, Robert Morris quotes it. He says, worship is love expressed. Worship begins with motivation, but it must include expression. And expression happens different ways. There can be physical expressions. We see lifting of hands, clapping of hands, kneeling down, bowing down, falling face down. Um, we see all sorts of ex expressions throughout Scripture. And Leah talked about some of those a couple of weeks ago. Um, we also see emotional expression, joy, laughter, crying. We, we see all of those emotions and emotions kind of get a bad rap in worship, I, I feel like. They, you know, I was in a context recently, I was talking to a pastor and he was kind of like, oh, that's a bunch of emotion. I was like, well, yeah, but you know, God created our emotions too. He gave us emotions for a reason, right? We can worship God with our emotions. We can express our gratitude. We can express our thankfulness to him through our emotions. And, and I love on Sunday mornings, I love being able to look around and, and just see people in this room just moved to tears by the presence of God and their gratefulness in his life. And it's, it's, so, uh, it's, it's so powerful to see that expression. Tonight, as I close, I'm gonna call the... the um, Worship team back forward. They're gonna, we're going to continue to worship. Um, but tonight I'm here to remind you that we serve a great big God who loves you. He died for you. And what better night than tonight for you to maybe push some barriers in your worship to God. Maybe tonight is a night for you to let the words of these songs maybe hit a little differently. Um, Maybe you've come into services like this and you've not wanted to sing because it feels awkward. Um, you're not used to singing in a, in, in a big group of people. Um, I would encourage you tonight, let this be the night that you just begin to sing the words and mean them. Maybe you've never lifted your hands in worship. Maybe you never knelt down before the Lord. I encourage you tonight just to push a little further. Maybe you want to come across the altars and just come up here and kneel down before the Lord and worship him. I encourage you tonight to push, express, push through those barriers, push through those uh, that discomfort to worship him in a little different way. Let your response, let your response to who he is and what he's done be a little different tonight. It's called Engage the Spirit for a reason. It, we we want to engage the Spirit. It's an it's a action term. It's a, it, we want to push in. And so if you can't do it here, this is a pretty safe place to be able to do it. And so I just encourage you to do that. Um, as, the minute, as the worship teams come forward, we're going to sing a song here in a minute. And as I was preparing this message, um, I, I was just really reminded of a song that just really expresses all the things that we talked about. Um, 
And, and I asked the guys, I was like, hey, what do you guys think? Could we do this song? And they were like, yes, we want to do it. We're excited. And, and so this song may be familiar to you, uh, may be super familiar. If it is, I encourage you to sing, enter in, uh, sing, these song, uh, sing this song to God. If it's unfamiliar to you, I encourage you just to uh, read the words. There's a beautiful lyric video that's going to be on the screens. Read the words, let them wash over you, and um, then we'll continue to worship tonight. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your spirit, Lord. We thank you that you are a great big God. We thank you that you, um, that, you have, that you want a relationship with us, that you love us, that you care for us, Lord, and that you uh, love us so much that you sent your son to die on a cross for us. And because of that, Lord, we want to bring you our best worship. Lord, we don't want to um, just bring bring obligatory worship. We want to we want to respond in such a way that's authentic, spirit-led, Lord. Lord, I pray that tonight as we as we um, enter into this time of worship, God, that you would just uh, that you would just encounter us in a powerful way. Lord, if we've never really expressed um, physically in worship, Lord, we would lift our hands and we would kneel. And not because there's something magical about it, but because it's you're worth it. You're worth all of our worship. You're worthy of all of our praise. Thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen.